The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. The show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. Thursday edition of the Leach Report as we come to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio. Coming up today, Mike Pratt will join us. Talk about the uh, draft last night and the uh, basketball season that starts in six days for the Wildcats. It's a phrase you uh, probably won't ever hear again. The draft, and then six days later, the college season starts. Coach Steve Ortmeyer uh, will join us. And Jason Frakes, high school writer for the Courier Journal. Uh, so yesterday was a, a newsy day for sports at the high school level here in Kentucky. Let's get right to the Wildcat news of the day. And for the 11th year in a row, Kentucky has multiple first-round picks. Tyrese Maxey went 21st to the 76ers. Emmanuel Quickly, 25th, actually chosen by OKC, but traded to the Knicks in a deal that was uh, set up in advance. So the Maxey pick was uh, a little lower than anticipated, although... uh, uh, as Mike said, he was hearing 12 to 18, so just a little bit below 18 for Tyrese. But with the Sixers, uh, I would think a pretty good spot there. New coach, Doc Rivers. Uh, quickly, uh, many were surprised that he went there. Uh, but uh, I know Mike had told us here on the show he'd been hearing a lot of good buzz about Q. And then Nick Richards, an early second-round pick to the Pelicans, but then traded to Charlotte. So um, happy for Nick. You heard Mike DeCourcy on the show yesterday uh, touting uh, Nick Richards' upside and uh, glad that that was recognized. Ashton Hagens signs a free agent deal with Minnesota. E.J. Montgomery signed a free agent deal with the Bucks. So good luck to all of the guys as they begin their NBA journeys. And for all of them, it's going to happen quickly because season's not that far away now. Uh, yesterday was the uh, day to for the defensive side to get interviews with uk football media uh, defense coordinator brad white says uh, they've had a good week so far got challenged after how they uh, played poorly against vanderbilt i'm guessing those guys will uh, respond well on saturday against a, a tremendous uh, tremendous challenge uh, quentin bohanna uh, he talked and uh, seemed to have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder in a good in a good way uh, he's hearing so much about alabama and he said, of course they're good players, but we have good players too. And he threw in another little word there that we won't throw in here, which he apologized for. But um, I I like uh, hearing that uh, kind of an edge from uh, Quentin. So uh, you look for him to have a uh, a big game on Saturday. And he's a, he's a guy that uh, will cause the Tide some problems in the middle of that Kentucky defensive front. Uh, Keon Brooks uh, did a media session yesterday as they've been uh, – going through several of these with the Kentucky players and coaches leading up to the start of the season. For Keon, one of the things I thought was uh, most interesting in his chat was he was asked about uh, the fact that 
He's had to miss some time with an injury, and is he worried about getting passed up? He said, quote, I have no worries at all about being passed up by anybody. Not to say I don't wish my teammates well, but I'm confident in my ability, confident in the work I put in, that when I do come back, I'll be ready to go. So that's the least of my worries. Well, that is the kind of uh, mindset that uh, you like to hear, I would think, if you are his uh, his coach and Keon very confident and speaks to a player that is ready to take the significant step forward that a lot of us believe he is capable of this season. Um, so looking forward to uh, seeing him do his thing this winter with the season slated to start uh, a week from last night. Uh, they did set the time for the Kentucky-Kansas game in the Champions Classic in Indianapolis on December 1st. That'll be a 9.30 tip time. Kentucky football has been named the winner of the Capital One Orange Bowl Football Writers Association Courage Award for how the Wildcats performed under the, I don't know if pressure is the right word, but just uh, under the the cloud maybe of the loss of their O-line coach, John Schlarman, and uh, the way they came through with a win against Vanderbilt. So, particularly his offensive line, I think. So, uh, congrats to uh, the Wildcats on that recognition. And Kermit Davis, coach of the Ole Miss Rebels, has tested positive for coronavirus and could miss the first two games of the Rebels' season. I think uh, pretty much everybody is starting next Wednesday night. Links to the stories that we talk about each day, you can find those on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. Our show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. When we come back, Mike Pratt will join the program. This is the Leach Report Radio Network. Find out more about the voice of the cats and get great coverage of the Big Blue at TomLeachKY.com. Quarter past the top of the hour, Thursday edition of the Leach Report. And last night, Anthony Edwards of Georgia was the first pick in the NBA draft. And that means that the SEC had the number one pick in the NFL draft in Joe Burrow and in the NBA draft. The last time that happened was in 2005. It was the Mountain West. And it was actually two players from the same school, uh, Utah. Alex Smith in football, Andrew Bogut in basketball. Just an interesting little trivia note as we go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Bring on Mike Pratt to the program. And we're going to – Mike wouldn't uh, uh, tout himself here, so I'm going to do it for him. Uh, We – you know, you got all those draft – mock drafts that come out all throughout the year and all the draft experts on ESPN and everywhere else. Well, our draft expert is Mike Pratt. And I know uh, who he talks to. And so I trust what Mike Pratt says. And you should, too, because he told you that uh, he was here in Tyrese somewhere, you know, 12 to 18. Well, he went 21, just slightly uh, lower than 18. He told you that there was a lot of good uh, conversation for Quickly, and I don't think Mike was surprised that Quickly went in the first round, which he did. And then he told you last week that uh, he was hearing a lot of – Getting a lot of good things about Nick Richards, and he thought he could go in the early second round. There wasn't anybody saying that other than Mr. Pratt. And lo and behold, Mr. Richards went there in the early second round. So, well done. Well, thank you, Tom. Um, you know, yesterday I told somebody um, that may have told you, I don't know. But uh, quick, I kept hearing people say, 
you know, Mike, he's going to slide into the bottom of the first. It wouldn't surprise me at, you know, 28, 29, 30, because he, uh, he, he not only performed so well this year after really struggling as a freshman, but they loved his attitude. They loved all the things they heard about the kid. And when you get down to the bottom two or three, you want to make sure those guys typically will be guys who spend time in the G League or at the end of a bench, don't get much playing time, but they got to work. Assistant coaches have to work them out. They have to work on getting better. And, and quickly, he's one of those guys. Quick, you know, he proved he wanted to get better. He proved he could go out and work hard. If he continues on with that attitude, um, he, he'll be around the NBA for a while. And, you know, the way the league is now, I mean, he can shoot it. Knocks down free throws and you know in the ninety percent range in in college you know makes pressure pressure shots and you know player of the year in a in a really good league so it's just uh, good good for him that all that got recognized and from what I heard you know he was just really good in the interviews too I'd heard a lot of good buzz about uh, you know Boston was really high on him because of how well he did in their interview with him yeah there's uh, some teams that. Uh put more importance on how they read a player during the interview than others. I mean, they all want to get the perfect guy, but some people are willing to overlook one thing to acquire or, or draft something else, okay, uh, within that player. Really quick, you remember, Tom, when he was a freshman, he struggled with his confidence. I mean, really, oh, yeah. really struggled, right? And we yeah. saw Calipari try everything in the world. I mean, you... you, you the, to get this kid's confidence back, to help him with it. And um, he, he, it was a struggle. I, I really wondered what would happen to this young fella over that summer. Um, but, boy, he came back and he proved that uh, he's willing to work. He's capable of, of working on, on things he needs to work on. And that's what you want when you have a, a bottom of the first, top of the second. You want guys that will work. Quick was really a good example of something that, that Cal and his staff don't get enough credit for is the, the development of players and the things you talked about they were working on. They could obviously see uh, the the upside that was still there for Emmanuel to, to tap into, so they just kept working with him. And, um, you know, he came in. He was actually, you know, a, uh, I think uh, a point guard thought to be coming out of high school uh, but actually became uh, played mostly off the ball. And um, they, you know, recognized what he was capable of being. And then the players got to buy into it, too, and he did. Yeah, it, it's what we always talk about, Tom, you know, capable. Are, are, you, are you willing and then are you capable? And, and both Nick and uh, Quick showed that they were capable. But more than anything, they were willing to put in the extra time, uh, fight through the bumps in the road, and improve their game, and uh, that—that's what it's all about. I, I read a number the other day that it said 136 undrafted, undrafted now players played last year in the NBA, uh, and a ton of second-round guys after spending time in the G League have worked their way up. And you no know, attrition keeps peeling older players off or injuries. These young guys—they <laughs> got to go to the G League, and they got to go with the right attitude. And, and now, versus 10 years ago, they have a legitimate chance of making it up to the big club. Um, talking about uh, quickly, um, I think a lot of people think, well, because Kenny Payne's with the Knicks, that 
was maybe why he ended up going where he did because of that angle and it undersells quickly because as you said uh, there were there was a lot of buzz about uh, him and if it wasn't the Knicks it might have been the the Celtics or, or somebody shortly thereafter that would have taken him let's talk a little bit about Tyrese um, ends up 21 a little lower than uh, was projected but um, he goes to what I would think is a pretty good spot I've always liked Doc Rivers as a coach he's the new new head man there at the Sixers well, with a new head coach, and they've had, uh, I think they've had some people come and go from the front office, but over the last year or so, uh, the slate is clean for Tyrese. Uh, he's going to go in there and uh, be able to fight for playing time. And, and I think that um, he's going to be a really good rotation player, a guy you could bring off the bench uh, and could create some problems. He's, his outside shot uh, at Kentucky was uh, in and out, up and down. But he'll have time to work on that. I think he'll be more proficient. But, boy, he's got a knack of scoring in, in, in some way, particularly off the bounce, the pull-up shot, the runner. He, he'll get out in transition. So he's got that going for him. And the NBA is all about scoring now. Um, he could maybe back up a, a, a wing spot if he had to. He could play a little point if he had to. I mean, big guys now start the offense in the NBA. Uh, so why couldn't uh, – Tyrese, I think he's uh, he's going to a spot that he's going to have a real opportunity to show himself. And then uh, lastly, Richards, as you mentioned last week, you were hearing a lot of good things about uh, the interest level in Nick, and that showed up with the, him going early in the second round. He is a, he's a project. He's a guy that uh, will spend time at the G League and will spend – all kinds of time after practice if he's up with the big club with, with assistance. And it, it'll be a situation where Nick can't let all that wear him down. He, he's got to take on all that, which I think he will, because he's shown that he's stuck with it at Kentucky. If he takes on all those challenges and, and not let them wear you down, because not playing, all right, and doing all that work and putting all that extra time in in the G League, you know, if you're not careful, you can get a sour attitude about that. So you got to be positive. You got to go and do the things that you know will make you better. Seven foot runs like a deer and can block a shot. He's going to play a while in the NBA. We're talking with Mike Pratt. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike Pratt twenty two. He is joining us on the KentuckyHelpWorks.com hotline, and we'll be right back to continue the discussion in just a moment here on the Leach Report Radio Network. Can't get to a radio? You can listen to us live on the web at talkradio1080.com. Now, back to the show. Chat with Mike Pratt. His weekly visits presented by Boone's Butcher Shop in Bardstown. Check them out at boonesbutchershop.com. Yesterday, uh, Quentin Bohanna was doing an interview with the uh, UK football media, and he said, of course Alabama has good players, but we have good players too. Uh, kind of, as, as I said earlier, the good kind of chip on a player's shoulder. Now, when you played here at Kentucky, uh, you weren't in the position the Kentucky football team is. You were most often in the position the Alabama team is, the team that's, you know, number one in the country and that is, uh, you know, the, the uh, has the target on, on your back. But you were an assistant coach at, at Charlotte, which was uh, an up-and-coming program there in the late 70s, where you guys went into games where I'm sure your players kind of had that attitude of quitting that they were hearing a lot about the guys they were going against, but they knew they were really good too. Absolutely. Uh, when we went to the NIT finals 
Kentucky beat us. And then the next year we went to the Final Four, and, and McGuire's Marquette team uh, had a prayer shot to uh, to beat us, a, a long pass and a tip. Every game that we went into, the guys on that ball club, uh, they would listen to the scouting reports, but most of them had already found a way to get a magazine, the basketball magazine for that year. And they knew the teams we were playing. And I know Cedric Maxwell, uh, Kevin King, uh, Melvin Watkins, they all had chips on their shoulders because they weren't mentioned in those magazines. And they, uh, they wanted to prove a point. And uh, they did it collectively and individually. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. Somebody says you can't do it. Uh, if you buy into I can't do whatever and you're not willing to make a, a try, then you'll never get there. I mean, if you're chasing your goals, your dreams, you've you got to try no matter what somebody says uh, until you're out of energy and just decide it's not worth it. But to get to the top of the mountain, man, you need that chip. You need something to motivate you, don't you? Yeah. That's absolutely true. I just see a note. I uh, missed this when Nate Sistine apparently got uh, some kind of free agent deal with the Brooklyn Nets. So good for him. Yeah, and I, I think EJ Montgomery got a free agent deal with uh, the, somebody. The Bucks. And, the Bucks. The Bucks and, and Hagen's, Hagen's I Minnesota. Two way deal. Yeah. What's so the difference Minnesota. between that and a typical free agent deal? Well, you two way, that means you can go up and down during the year. And when you're down in uh, the, the G League, you're paid X amount of dollars. And when you're up, you're, you're paid um, uh, X amount of dollars on the NBA scale. And no matter what, you're owned by your, your, your property of that team that you're on a two-way contract with. Now, if you sign a free agent contract and they decide um, that, that they want you to go to the G League, they, uh, they will let you go to the G League, but you'll be on a G League contract you won't be on a part or full NBA contract. So there's less money involved. Uh, but you could get called up. You could get called up in the middle of the year from a G League team making $40,000. You get called up and you get a prorated share of the minimum, which was 850 last year for as long as you're there, whether it be 10 days or 30 days. So uh, that, that's why guys have got to go to the G League with such a positive attitude because – Teams scout the G League. There's always injuries. There's all always something where there's a player needed. And you you do the math. Uh, ten days. Uh, take a percentage of the eight fifty for ten days. It's not a bad little payday. No, no, it's not. Nice, uh, nice little Christmas bonus if it would uh, happen yeah. before the holidays. Mike Pratt, thank you much. Okay, buddy. At Mike Pratt twenty two on Twitter. Coach Jordan Meyer joins us when we come right back. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Tweet us at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. It's the Leach Report from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studios here in Lexington. Joining us now on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline is Coach Steve Ortmeyer. Uh, Coach, before we get into a little Kentucky, Alabama, let's talk about uh, Austin McGinnis, a former star place kicker for the Wildcats. He's been trying to get into the NFL for for several years now, and he was on the Rams practice squad. And now, with uh, with an injury, it looks like there's a chance he might be the Rams kicker for their Monday night game against Tampa Bay. Well, uh, they have one other kicker I think that's been signed, but I don't think he gets through all the COVID protocols and things until 
later this week. So looks good for Austin, doesn't it? Yeah, that may be his chance. And uh, and and we talked Tom about uh, all he needs is a chance. Once he gets his foot in the door, I think he's going to be a long time player. And uh, and and hopefully this is the break that he's been looking for. And uh, he, he's with a, he's with a good team. He's with a team that's going to put some points on the board. So. Uh, so he's he's got a chance to come through and 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 make a contribution. I remember when uh, Coach Brooks was here working with Tim Mastay as the the punter. Uh, Tim was was then trying to get into the league, and Coach Brooks said, "You know, it's it's just hard to get those jobs for the punter, place kicker. Once teams get somebody that's reliable, they just don't don't make a change for a long time." But he said, "Once you can get in one of those jobs, then." The, that kind of situation works in your favor, and uh, you know if you uh, perform, then uh, they don't go looking for anybody else. So uh, I assume that's still the case for uh, for Austin. I think that's the exact case for Austin. As long as you, as long as you are contributing what they want, and what what they want obviously is going to be makes. Uh, but as long as you're contributing what they want, they they won't. They won't. They won't go on the road looking for anybody. And uh, and and Austin, we know between you and I that uh, if he gets the chance, he's going to make some kicks. Yeah, and uh, I would think he is uh, obviously very excited at uh, this. The prospect of this happening—not a sure thing yet, but um, and, and you pointed out the Rams score a lot of points, so he'll not only get uh, PAT chances, but probably uh, several field goals too. Yeah, he will, and 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 I don't know whether they're going to use him to kick off or not. But if they do, he will come through in that in that game too. Well, uh, we certainly uh, wish him well. I know you've uh, worked with him some, tried to uh, help him out, and uh, it's you know it, it's it's tough to I'm sure for a player to to be patient, isn't it? It really is tough. It's been it's been it's been two years for Austin, so. It gets tougher all the time, but uh, you, you just think you're not going to get a break. But that's that's the thing about it: you have to be ready when you do get the break. You have to be ready to perform. Let's uh, get into a little Kentucky, uh, Alabama, and start with the Crimson Tide. I'm sure you've watched uh, them play uh, several times. Uh, there's obviously a lot that is impressive about the number one team in the land. But what are the, some of the things that jump out at you? Well, what jumps out at me is is they're going to attack you through the air, uh, no matter what. And uh, they've got they've got they've got the receivers. They've got Waddle and, and those guys. Those guys can 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 run after the catch. They can make things happen when they when they get the ball in their hands. And Mac Jones is very effective at being able to get the ball in their hands. Uh, the the one thing that 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 I remember about playing down at Bama is. This isn't the toughest place in this conference to play. It's a it's a good place. It's a good venue for football, and uh, but it's, but it's not overwhelming. It's not overwhelming. You do, you don't feel you don't feel all the tradition that you actually probably should feel when you walk in that stadium. It, 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 if you feel like you've got a chance, and uh, and the crowd's not sitting right on top of you, and uh, and, and you've got a chance to make some things happen. Hopefully, our guys will go in. To this game and play the most perfect game they've played this fall. If they do that, if they go down and play mistake-free football, they got a chance to, to make some things happen in this game. I would think the the script for 
Kentucky to say still be there in the fourth quarter with a shot uh, is that you want to be able to have some success running the ball to keep Mac Jones and and that uh, powerful potent offense on the bench as much as you can but then they're going to get the ball at some point obviously and uh, you you can't allow them to uh, hit home runs against you, and you know that's one thing that Kentucky's uh, been good against for the most part is not giving up a lot of those big plays. For the last couple of years, we've been very good in that respect, and I'm sure White will be uh, will be very effective uh, on that uh, this week. Uh, we we've got to be able to make some things happen when we have our defense on the field. Not only do we need to not only do we need to keep the big play away from us. But we need to to, to attack them and, and turn the ball over somehow. Somehow we got to get a couple of turnovers. Stoops said it's as good an offense as he has seen in his time, not only as a head coach but as a coordinator. And maybe what happened last week for Kentucky on the defensive side could be you could spin it as a positive. In that, Stoops talked about guys not being disciplined on assignments and, and maybe getting a little too focused on uh, getting a stat, I think was his phrase. But after a game like that where you've got that on tape, it's uh, easy then to make that point. As they say, the eye in the sky don't lie is a long-time football phrase. So you can make that point to your guys because the last thing you want your defense doing is uh, – you know, busting some assignment, trying to to be a hero in a team like this, because you know one uh, vulnerable spot, and uh, they they not only get a first down, they get a touchdown. Yeah, yeah, that, 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 that's what we've got to stay away from in this game. We've got to be able to uh, to to be consistent and and give ourselves a chance to take the ball away from them, and uh, and give ourselves one or two possessions that we shouldn't have had. Uh, and, and he, he, he did have a good week to teach off of. Although last week was such a tough week emotionally around here, but, uh, but, but basically we had the Vanderbilt game under control until we quit playing. And, uh, and, and we can't stop playing this week. It's, it's going to be 60 minutes all out and, uh, and we've got to take advantage of everything we can. Talk with Coach Steve Ortmeyer. We'll take a quick break, come back and continue the discussion here in just a moment. It's the Leach Report Radio Network. Coach Ortmeyer joining us via the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. We'll be right back. Back with Coach Steve Ortmeyer as uh, we talk a little bit about Kentucky and uh, Bama on Saturday. Uh, Let's go back to the Vandy game and the win on Saturday. Uh, Terry Wilson's uh, performance was very solid. What did uh, you like about what you saw? Very solid. He was back to his. He was back to his uh, decision making uh, uh, best, uh, making making quick decisions and uh, and 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 letting it letting it fall. he, he 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 not only had made quick decisions in the in the run game, but he made quick decisions in the pass game. If Terry goes down there and has that kind of a game, if he has a, a, an effective game with, uh, with with the with the quick decisions, and uh, he has, there is any question, Tom. In my this is in my mind, he has the ability to throw the ball. He really does, and uh, and and if we'll have some receivers step up and. Uh, and, and and make some plays, which they did a little bit against Vanderbilt. Uh, 
we we we've got a we've got a chance in this game, and uh, and he always knows that he can turn around and hand the ball to Smoke or uh, Rodriguez uh, and, and or Rose and 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 make some things happen in the run game because that big blue wall uh, is is playing is playing pretty well. You are just the the latest to to make the observation about Terry of uh, just that you know quick decisions or uh, that uh, he was um, you know uh, just very definitive in his in his choices that he there, you didn't see uh, uncertainty or hesitation and uh, it seems like that was pretty pretty noticeable to a lot of folks. Yeah, uh, no no question about it. If he if he will be decisive. He has the ability to put an offense on track and 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 keep it going, and and uh, I, I look for him to to be pretty decisive down there. Like I say, this is not the toughest place in the world to play, and if he will go in there and have, if if he will go in there and have a Terry Wilson kind of uh, game, I, I think I think we got a we got a shot at staying in this thing. Where did you think was the toughest place to play in the league when you were here with Coach Brooks? Toughest place to play is, is either LSU or Florida. Uh, I, th- I think it's LSU, but uh, uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a really tough place. There are some tough places to play in the South. Auburn is not easy to play. Uh, LSU is very tough. Florida is can be overwhelming as, as, as long as they get the people in the stadium. Uh, Auburn, Auburn has a chance to, uh, be a tough place to play, but, uh, but Bama is not. Um, talk about coach Steve Ortmeyer here. And, uh, last week, you know, your old area, the, the special teams, uh, Kentucky had their, uh, all America punter and their uh, place kicker, uh, both out and, uh, just goes to show you about, you know, that you know, if you're doing what you're supposed to do as coaches, you've got the next guy ready. Got it. Nobody knew Colin Goodfellow stepped up, punted the ball really well. That's right. Good probably have to do it again this game. week. Yeah, he probably will have to do it again this week. I don't know what what the situation with uh, with the place kicking will be this week, but uh, I know we don't expect Duffy back this week. And uh, and this is a, this is a tough game not to have Duffy. I tell you that. But uh, if Goodfellow will will perform as he did a week ago, we got a shot. Very true. Coach Ortmeyer, thank you, as always, uh, for the time. And uh, next, I guess next Thursday will be Thanksgiving Day, so we'll see if we can uh, maybe line something up for a little earlier in the week. Talk to you then. Okay, we'll do it. Yep. Coach Steve Ortmeyer joining us here on the Leach Report Radio Network from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio. When we come right back, Jason Frakes, high school writer for the Courier-Journal, will join the program. Final segment of our Thursday show here on the Leach Report. Back to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline we go to Brown Jason Frakes, who covers the high school sports scene for the Louisville Courier-Journal. And that meant a busy day yesterday of uh, listening to Zoom meetings and a lot of uh, procedural discussion and bureaucracy and et cetera. Just a real fun day, I'm sure, Jason, right? <laughs> I'm so sick of Zoom meetings. <laughs> Well, we ended up with a uh, revised high school basketball plan for Kentucky. They're going to start now on January 4th, 
and uh, finish with, uh, ideally, hopefully finish with the, the state tournaments in uh, late March. That's, isn't that a little later than what the original plan was, right? Yeah, it is a little later. I think, uh, I think there was supposed to be a, a conflict this year with Rupp Arena with the NCAA tournament. Obviously, that's changed. But because of that original conflict that they, they had uh, moved the Sweet 16s a little earlier than, than normal for the year, um, now they are at least tentatively scheduled for the last two weeks of March. Um, but uh, as Julian Tackett noted yesterday, there is a conflict at Rep Arena in that last full week, so they're not really sure what they're going to do at this point. But uh, there's a meeting. Uh, there's another Zoom uh, meeting uh, uh, in the middle of December that they're supposedly going to hash all of that out. It was following your uh, timeline on Twitter yesterday as uh, this was unfolding, and there was it seemed like er- early on in the day a little momentum maybe for uh, a much later Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, they had uh, one of the options they considered yesterday was um, with the new plan they've shortened the regular season to eight weeks. It's typically twelve weeks. So one of the options they considered yesterday was continuing with the twelve week regular season starting in January and that would have pushed the state tournaments to I I think the plan was one of them was going to be the last week in April and the other one would have been the first week in May uh, which I think that would have sandwiched actually the Kentucky Derby I think the Kentucky Derby is actually May 1st this year if everything goes as planned so uh, that definitely would have been an interesting uh, uh, schedule (laughs) Uh, with the two state tournaments uh, sort of sandwiching the Kentucky Derby. But uh, ultimately, they decided against that. Uh, they went with the sort of uh, the traditional March 316s. And I think one of the reasons they wanted to do that is uh, when spring sports got canceled altogether last year, uh, they really wanted to do everything they can this year to protect spring sports. Uh, to give those athletes who didn't get a chance to play at all last year a chance to play this year. Talk with Jason Frakes from the uh, Courier Journal about the high school sports scene uh, here in Kentucky. Um, as far as the football playoffs, is the is the optimism pretty high that they'll be able to to get to the finish line there? Yeah, I, I think it is. I think there was a lot of confusion yesterday um, uh, when uh, Governor Brashear spoke, and I. I think we have decided that he misspoke uh, because he said something about fall sports being canceled when I'm 99% sure that he meant winter sports. And so there was a brief, uh, well, I think there's even some concern today from people who haven't heard, but I I think some people were concerned that the football playoffs had been canceled. That is not the case. Uh, The first round will begin. I think there's actually a game tonight. Obviously the majority of them are tomorrow and, uh, the KHS AA has every intention of uh, of finishing that you know those five weeks of playoffs uh, the the weekend before Christmas. Uh, we don't know the schedule yet for the state finals. Uh, there could be a UK football game that weekend, so there's a lot of uh, ifs and ands uh, regarding that. We don't know how many you know twenty teams have already backed out of the of the playoffs uh, this week. So who knows what it's all going to look like? But for now, at least they 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 plan to to crown state champions in football in December. And if a team like your 
uh, supposed to play somebody this week or next, and that team drops out, they've made a plan for that, right? Yeah, the, well, the first three weeks, the first three rounds of the playoffs, if a team drops out, the the, the other team just gets a bye to the next week um, because they don't want to have a bye in the semifinals or the final. Uh, they, they, they announced yesterday that if a team has to back out in the semifinal or the final, that the team they had beat in the previous round would have the opportunity to replace them. So you could conceivably have a team lose in the third round uh, and still go to the state semifinals. I guess you could conceivably have a team lose in the state semifinals, play in the state final. I, that's at least the plan. There's there seems to be all kinds of questions about how exactly that would work. What if if the team loses and stops practicing? Or are they going to you know? That's the plan. To me, it it sounds a little far fetched, but at least that's uh, what the KHSAA is saying that they will do. Just uh, the latest uh, installment in the uh, the craziest of sports years and just years in general. Jason, thank you for your time. You bet. Thanks for having me on, Tom. It's uh, Jason Frakes. You can read him at career-journal.com as we uh, go through this most unusual of uh, seasons that is coming up for high school basketball in Kentucky and other sports, too. The uh, Wildcat history note for today comes from 1977. Kentucky was trying to get to 10 wins for the first time since the 50s. They knew they weren't going to be able to go to a bowl because of probation, and they had to beat Tennessee in the final game uh, at home at Kentucky, and they did. Uh, Kentucky was uh, really banged up, but uh, found a way to gut it out, get the win over the Vols 21-17, finish at 10-1 and on this day in 1977. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow for Football Friday. Thanks for listening to The Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow The Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leachreport at gmail.com. 